episode 53 of the Metro Fan TV rundown coming to you live in the midst of a four-game and beaten streak. Having taken care of business on the road in NYC at Yankee Stadium and um, having kind of taken care of business at home with a draw to Philadelphia um, in midweek. Uh, Lenzen one here, back at it again to talk about latest happenings in the world of Red Bull soccer. How are you today? Uh, I'm feeling better than I was feeling last game, honestly, or last uh, last episode. So we're not really down bad anymore, right? It's more like down slightly bad. No, like... I was uh, I was I was really dreading uh, going to Yankee Stadium, uh, but then uh, <laughs> we we nicked three points. And you get the call, David Villa is sex pest. Oh man, what a great, what a banger! Shout out to uh, to to Torcida ninety six for making that one up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I was like, but when, when I saw the video, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> all in all, a good weekend. Okay, I mean, like, I think that's the first win on the road at Yankee Stadium since the seven nil thrashing, right? So we've Is that literally right? wow. I do believe that that is the case. Yes, we've literally yeah, yeah, waited right. five years for a win at Yankee Stadium. So, yeah, it was, nice. it was, yeah, great game. Uh, we can talk about that in a second, but yeah, it was. Uh, we were not in. We were not in the typical away section. We were in like the usual, like the. We're not in like the that third upper deck. We were in sort of just two two seventeen, and uh, I don't know. It felt good. And just like leaving the stadium, people were just like walking by, like "fuck the Red Bulls," and I'm like, "You guys just lost. I don't know, like, what, what, what are we doing here?" I remember once uh, after we were leaving Yankee Stadium, uh, I think after one of those Milka Toast uh, Derby losses uh, mm-hmm. in 2018, I think it was the Chris Armis debut game. Yeah, I was just walking back to the subway with like a usual, the usual crowd, and then some I mean, guys. I'm start- sure I was there. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. And then the, the guy starts up, like, the whole, like, go back to New Jersey chat, right? And I was like, sir, I live in Manhattan, so I'm not really <laughs> sure what the fuck is going on here. It was, um, like, it was like, I remember it because it, it was a combination from where else to, like, it was, I live in Manhattan, I'm from Queens, or gladly, this place sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I think Peach yelled that he was from Brooklyn as well, so shout out to Peach for uh, the added testimonials. It's like when your homies are... Uh, dump uh, the uh, endorsements on LinkedIn, right, to push that resume up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. Thanks yeah, a lot, it was felt, Like I think on the way back from the draw on the path train, there was some lady talking to her friends about the, you know, about the score. She was just like, like those Red Bull fans were celebrating so much, and all, all the only difference is because they got one point in the table, and then I'm like, coming back around. I don't th- she probably didn't go to the game at Yankee Stadium, but I hope she did. <laughs> <laughs> just have her night ruined by Omir Fernandez. That was a nice moment, wasn't it? Um, I guess that will, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a natural seek into the actual game itself. Uh, Do you mean segue? Seek, segue, I don't know, man. Like I, just, I think the word is segue. <laughs> I pronounce the words as how they're spelt, okay? This is a, it's a fucked up French word, okay? That's all I <laughs> That's all I know. If there's anything we know about the French is that they're all a bunch of assholes. But anyway, uh, shout out to PSG NYC, by the way. Uh, this is very much aimed at you. Uh... <laughs> uh, the, please, President Biden, please designate them as a terrorist group. <laughs> okay, I, I know another president who can take care of that because he he's just nuke France and be done with it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> let's uh, move on. Um, yes. The game away at Yankee Stadium, uh, very much decided by an Omir Fernandez goal towards the end of the first half. Um, the team putting on what I think has become a bit of an emergent trend, I think, as the season has gone on, right? I think uh, a very solid defensive showing where I think uh, the way that we set ourselves up really prevented City from getting uh, a lot of those uh, switches on your ping pong table field, right? Mm-hmm. You could see the defensive structure, I think, was very much set up to compact that, right, and frustrate that. And, you know, I think uh, it's become 
a bit apparent, right? When you look at the goal difference on the year, especially to see that despite the position that we're in, you know, it's, we still have a positive goal difference. And which kind of just highlights just how kind of annoying it is that we can't generate chances of any regularity, right? Because I think for the most part, other than some really silly individual lapses here and there, it's uh, been proven to a degree that the team's defensive structure has made leap, has made improve, has had improvements, right? Especially with the reintroduction of certain personnel into the team. And the, the defensive shape has resulted in a pretty decent defensive record, right? I think we're in the top 10 in the league in terms of goals, uh, goals allowed. I think there's at least goals, goals allowed, I believe. The underlying numbers uh, as well seem to back that up. It's just that, you know, I mean, uh, when you make a number of defensive, it's just that I think uh, we haven't really gotten business done in the attacking third, right, to kind of make up for that, right? And those one goals, one goal or so that you're conceding per game, it's going to sting harder if, like, you just don't do anything on the opposite side. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's basically where we are, right? It's not that we are a bad defensive team. It's just, we are, in fact, I would say that we're actually quite a decent defensive team. It's just that, you know, we lack quality, I think, that allows us to generate a decent volume of chances, I think, throughout the game. And uh, of the chances we do create, we haven't been clinical enough with them, right, to really p- put away results or get, have the confidence to bag results. I think that's kind of where we are. But going back to City, right, I think... Um, it's one of those games that, you know, I think uh, we've had a tendency to drop over the course of the year. And it was nice for once that we didn't, I suppose, put it that way. Um, simply because I think uh, the defense held up uh, a couple of really fantastic, say, really, de- really, really good goalkeeping performance, I would say. Uh, some of the yeah. saves, I think, uh, were... Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like, some of the saves, I think, were kind of uh, benefiting from the fact that, like, <laughs> they literally they shot him right, right at, at him. him. Yeah. yeah. But they, nonetheless, uh, some pretty good reaction saves to uh, maintain the uh, maintain the point. Uh, maintain the three points, I should say. Sorry. Um, is, there a, is, there, is there a goalkeeping thing where it's like, if, you, if you, even if you save a shot, like, being able... It's like how... Who is it? Like, like the ability for Greg Maddox as a pitcher that even if someone got a hit off of him it was usually a ground ball and you could get him out right away is there like a way of like is there something in goalkeeping where like you make the save but you make sure that this the, like the shot isn't spilled in front of you to like generate another chance for the other team uh well yeah i mean like the mantra generally is is that you catch right as much mm-hmm. as possible and if you palm and if you have the palm like uh, you have to basically push it you, you as much as possible to push it away from the goal Okay. Right. I mean, I think that's the, the the basics that they try and get across. And how you do that is dependent on how you set up your body and how you angle yourself against the ball. Right. I mean, like these are all the goalkeeping fundamentals here. There will be cases of, you can't do it perfectly every single time, of course, because if you could perfectly like do it, then <laughs> yeah, like it will require a level of skill that I think would be quite literally unprecedented in the position's history. But yeah. for the most part, like. Yeah, you're setting up your body in a way that uh, basically tries to drive the ball away from the goal as much as possible, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there is that, that. That's basically it. You prevent the second chase by either smothering the ball or pushing it out wide. That's basically what you're trying to do, I think, every time gotcha. you make a save. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, other than the goalkeeping performance, right, I think uh, um, really nice defensive showing. I think particularly from uh, Andrew Goodman, who kind of shut down that left flank, right, I think uh, the whole game. And, uh, you know, I think uh, big Sean Nealis as well coming in, cleaning, just cleaning things up, you know. I mean, I think uh, definitely one of those uh, statement games for him once again. Yeah winning everything in the air, especially, right? And you know how vital that is uh, on that fucking ping-pong field, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was... 
I think I think it was the cork who said it. it was just like like the ball if if you let the ball bounce once it's immediately out of play. Yeah. And even just letting the ball bounce once like leaves a lot of room for some silly like silly like act of god chance to yeah, just kind of come about. Like, yeah, like you you watch like especially when you were watching them play at Yankee Stadium, NYCFC is just like so much of like it's like little dinks and little like trying to get them on the fast break and i guess it like watching it again watching the highlights again is like watching on the fast like trying to do like showtime laker style fast breaks i'm like give it a rest guys jesus christ yeah and you know that's 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 definitely the most annoying thing about playing at yankee stadium right because i think uh one loose ball in the midfield can suddenly result in a breakaway right and i think one of the nice wrinkles that was good was to see that the defensive line set up a bit deeper than they usually do to try and make up for that right so the back line i think was like literally like a mostly setting up on the edge of the goal, of our goal mouth, yeah. which isn't really saying much. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, and I think, yeah, I think um, noticeably in the games against like my like the games up until um, the first city game at RBA, we were seeing like Struber kind of tinker with the lineup. Basically, he, we would start the game in the uh, like that four five one. We would play with one striker, right? We would leave. Uh, Klimala up top and either Fabio in support or Fabio on the bench or something like that. And then in the second half, Struber would bring in, I think it would be, he would bring in Gutman into the second half and then play with three center backs in sort of this wing back formation. Um, and, and so he did the same thing in the first game against NYC. But then uh, we don't really change it going into uh, the one at Yankee Stadium, right? We start out with this three-man back line. And I think, like I said it last episode, that I think one of the benefits of the three center backs is that the way city plays is sort of like switching, getting the overlaps from their, from their fullbacks, their wingbacks um, and having that third extra center back kind of like helped us contain that. And I guess um, doing that at Yankee stadium gave them even less room than they normally have to do their little, the the dinks and stuff like that. Um, Just looking at the passing networks, like the team was really, the team was set up really well as the team was set up like very, um, just looking at like, um, it was Cornell only passed uh, to, he only whenever Cornell would actually pass the ball he would only ever pass it to Goodman or Tolkien right there was he never actually passed it you know further than you know if you want to draw the line right down down the middle right never to Neil never to Edwards never out to the right hand side um, clear and then you had this like weird line with Klimala and Omir and CCJ on the same line. Um, CCJ again, you know, this could just be one of those things. You put him higher up the field. I don't know what what the deal is, but yeah, uh, mm. it was. Yeah, I mean, I clearly like Omir was the more active on that line, and I think going into the game against Philly, it was the same thing. Where like Omir was basically the support striker next to Klimala, with uh, CCJ kind of playing as in front of the double pivot of a Neil, not Neilis, uh, Davis and. Uh, was it Yearwood? It was Yearwood. Year, Yearwood, yeah. Yearwood, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think uh, uh, we'll, we'll touch on Omir a bit more in a bit, but I think I want to go back to the, the three-man backline thing because I think you, uh, what you pointed out is true, right? I mean, I think the added symmetry to that, right, um, means that you're, you're not going to have your center backs be pulled out as much to leave a lot of room in the middle of the field, right, for them to run into. Right. And I think that's kind of the key thing when you're playing City, right? Because we all know that they really like to play up through the middle, right? Like, I think Dati Castellanos really likes to, uh, you know, I think that's like his bread and butter, right? Poaching in and around that space that opens up as the mm-hmm. center backs get pushed out, right? So, that at a center back there, I mean, it acts as that defensive stopper in the middle of the field, right? Covering up that space for uh, guys to be making up that run to. So, the center, the, the, the central center back in this case, like, acts almost like a sweeper, in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as uh, the two um, on the left, let the left and right center backs uh, can flush out wide to pinch in on the wings and assist the wing back in there. Uh, and it also means that they can go out there with confidence, knowing that the third center back is there to like plug in the hole in the center of the field. You know, and I think it worked out perfectly. There were a whole bunch of chances where that turned out to be the case with Nealis, I think, uh, coming into cover as a Reyes and a, who was it on the right hand side? I think it was. Uh, it was like oh no it was no Edwards it was in the first half and then and then uh, Ray is coming into the second half at Yankee Stadium. And on the other side, it was uh, Gutman. It was 
Gutman uh, coming in to pinch in out there, right? I mean, I think that you could see the coverage was uh, worked exactly as intended. So I think, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've said this, but hats off for that adjustment. Okay, that was... Yeah, I mean, especially in the, like late into the second half, where like NYC were really chucking it upfield. Um, I know they got in behind Reyes a couple times, but like I feel like that was a better move having him there than have like having Edwards um, do that again or or keep like having to contest those those long balls deep into the second half. Yeah, and and it helps that like uh, you know like Reyes and Nilas are just. I mean, Reyes especially is such a such a dominant force in the air, right? I mean, I think his ability to just win most of his aerial deals is such an asset. And, you know, I'm really glad that he's come along in his way from a, when I think people were, like, convinced that he wasn't going to be a fit <laughs> after getting sent off right. against New England to now <laughs> become, like, arguably, like, the most prized asset in our back line, right? You know, I think... Uh, did it in that sense, uh, you know, cleaned up the defensive issues. Uh, sorry, cleaned up the d- discipline issues, and now looks like a, you know, like um, a fantastic signing. You know, so yeah, been a, been a really good season for him. Uh, speaking of guys who have broken through in recent weeks, uh, uh, Tom better... Barlow. No. <laughs> Can you shut the fuck up? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> That was like the lowest hanging fruit, man. Like I, I'm about to ban you from this podcast because of that. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> I was, I was gonna say his. Remember when, when I've said it about Barlow, right? You don't bring him into a game when we're chasing a result, but when we're ahead, he is, he is a weapon. Oh, oh, so now you're a Tom Barlow stand after I threatened Ben. Okay, I see how it is. Um. <laughs> well, then you should, you should ban me now. It's like, and then. Okay, sure. No. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> FBI open up. Um Yeah, um but of course we're we're here to talk about uh who we were talking about the the Mott Haven Maradona himself. Uh yes. Um yes, yes. Our 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 young our young uh, Mexican king, right? Uh from the Bronx, uh Mr. Omir Fernandez, who has kind of reminded everyone, right? of just how good he can be, right? And I think uh, the last three years, I think uh, the fans have been very much on the free Omir train, right? And now that Omir seems to be free as uh, this linking, not really even like a linking 10, right? Like he's playing this support striker role, like you mentioned, this deep-lying forward position, right? Uh, tucking in just behind Patrick Clamala more often than not, you know, and he looks like he's basically catalyzed the offense, right? I mean, uh, I can't remember the last time we've... The last player to really do that linking function well, I think, was Frankie Amaya before, uh, before uh, you know, I mean, I guess um, before he kind of hit a bit of this rough patch, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know... Uh, I I I I was wondering, like, who is this guy going to be coming in to come and save the season and make a case for himself? Well, I mean, I'm not going to go out and say that he's outright saved the season yet, but he certainly has helped us get back on the right track, right, and start to actually generate more, um, generate more opportunities in the attacking third with his play, you know. And I think it's been like what two games in a row now that he scored. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like. Uh, man, I mean, like, uh, you know, it, it feels good knowing that we were kind of justified <laughs> in, like, demanding that he play more because uh, you, you saw it in some of the substitute appearances this year, the way, I mean, we talked about this last week even, right, the way he kind of fills in the half space and connects players in the attacking third, right? He's just so good at holding on to the ball and uh, finding someone to combine with. You know, I think that's his biggest asset. Right, is how you read space. So he interprets space really well, and he makes really good decisions once he gets into the ball, right? Which allows us to move things on. Um, surprisingly, like it kind of shows that you know, if you were talking about Struber wanting to play a quick vertical possession game while in possession at the ball, I mean, Omir is exactly one of those guys who can do that, right? He gets onto the end of things in half spaces and then just moves it on like really quickly. 
E into space that opens up as a result of his movement, right? Sort of like that. Sort of like an engage for our um, style of play. I really hate to use these pretentious terms, but that's basically how he is, right? He's evolved into this kind of engage. Engage. I don't know. Enganche, right? I don't know if that was a French or Spanish term, but I presume it's uh, yeah, it's Spanish. It's like uh, it's an Argentinian it means, thing, right? Yeah, it means like yeah, it's like definitely it's like the number. It's like uh, when we talk about like Marcelo Bielsa's formation, like his weird formation, which also uses three center backs, but uh, uh, that that's his number ten, El Enganche. Yeah, you know, I think uh, he's been he's kind of been playing that, right? The hook. Yeah, definitely, and not even like not like the number ten in the sense of like like a, a Riquelme type playmaker who stands over the ball or even like the kind of guy like with Kaku, but just a guy who can sort of carry the ball in space. Um, and just like, like I could probably find his heat map, but like definitely in the passing networks that MLS has, it's like, he's just right there in the half space. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's worked like a charm. I think it Klimala to a Rome a little bit more in his actual do that but it also provides uh opportunities for the midfield to push up for the wing backs right. to push up in this space you know i think uh it's been a wild long wacky road but i'm really glad that he's uh, proved himself over the last four games basically um yeah could be more tough for him it's definitely taught by the fact that you know i mean he's basically he's basically won the team four points by himself in the last two games so right you know truly uh, the number four will be popping up a lot in this episode, I think. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I still think the team needs to bring in some kind of midfielder, but it's definitely making the case where if we want to go to two striker formations next year, I mean, at the very least, Omir Fernandez has definitely made a name for himself in there. He has a future in this team. I hope uh, they find a place for him next year. Um, I think they will, for what it's worth. It seems that Schubert really seems to rate him nowadays. Uh, and I think uh, for the City game particularly, um, it's pretty notable seeing his impact on the field uh, in his absence, right? His absence kind of defies his impact on the field. Because once he came off along with Klimala, uh, and Barlow and Carmona came on, I mean, like there was basically no one who could get on the end of anything. In the attacking third, to put it bluntly, until, yeah, until uh, Royer got something later on in the game. Yeah, until Royer came in, yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of highlights, like, it, it just, again, you know, it highlights this unique ability to interpret space and be in a position to even receive the ball, get on the end of the ball and combine, right? I don't think... Uh, I don't think any of the subs really showed that. And that's the only thing I'm really going to knock Struber on, I think, uh, <laughs> for the City game. The attacking movement basically disappeared the moment we made the subs in the 60, 60th minute, which kind of, uh, you know, a bit nerve-wracking, but at least they pulled through in the end, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about that. Nina, do you have anything else to add for City particularly? Or... Um... I guess on the point of the attacking shape and in, in like late into that second half, it's like watching, watching, uh, Carmona, like Doddle. I, I guess, I guess my point is more of just like, what kind of player does he want to be? Does he want to be like a Kaku type player? Does he want to play through the middle? Like, I don't know. I think part, one of the reasons why he gets in, he gets in these lineups is because he can like, even though he's like still a teenager, he, um, has the physicality to like i don't know he had my, my guy has like huge he has huge thighs <laughs> like he's like fucking jack Grealish out there um but like he can like when he's on the ball it's it's hard to get him off of it like he he keeps it very well but then like his decision making is suspect at times you can always tell when he wants to take the shot which i don't blame him for because my guy can really rip him but uh more often than not he doesn't choose the right pass you know, even when, even when he had the assist on on Klimala, it was like, like that was a real like low percentage pass, and that really could have uh, not pulled off. Um, sort of the thing that's holding him back as a player, right? But I mean, I think it's like still a bit too early to be really going all in on these criticisms. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, 
then um yeah i mean like that's the deal you know i'm not gonna be too um i'm not gonna be too uh what should we call it harsh on a guy who is basically in his first like professional season but you can definitely just see from what we've seen so far that uh you know he makes decisions like a guy who is very much in his first professional season like you've indicated right, right? like uh once he know like like he already gets the, the the gets the ball possession part down right he's a tank he's hard to knock off the ball uh, and once I think he learns how to release the ball, once he's settled it, you know, he could become a real asset. You know, I think there's been a conspiracy theory of sorts floating around that, you know, maybe he may be suited to a more, um, more, um, a deeper role rather than at the 10, right? With his ability, like kind of like a Musa Dembele type, right? Ooh, good you shout. Think about it. Yeah, like being so hard to knock off the ball and being able to dribble and bring it up that far. You know, I mean, like there are that has a lot of uh, value, especially for a team that wants to play like quickly and vertically through the center of the field. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that's the. Sorry. No, no, keep going. I know. And then, yeah, I mean, I think that that's sort of like the player that he may be best suited to. Right. I mean, I think uh, he has flashed a through ball here and there, but I think it's really his his on ball, his uh, his 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 physicality and his ability to shield the ball that are his best assets at this point in time. You know, and he can dribble quite a fair bit. Maybe he may be suited to like being like a linking water carrier in midfield rather than like a playmaking ten that they've been trying to slot him in as. I think it's for that reason alone that he's been getting eyes from teams in Europe. I would like to see a Carmona, uh, I think, deployed in a bit of a deeper role, just to see if this theory holds water. But I think I've seen enough where it could be possible, basically. Oh, yeah. You think, like, he's a young player. Like, you either make the mistakes or do you do, like, a, a Rene Mullenstein and just sit him down like, look, you could be the best player in the world if you stop fucking around. <laughs> But then it would be it would be like Bernd Eibler or whatever, and because I think Bernd Eibler is just another nerd, he 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 would be showing him Musa Dembele clips. Oh, he shouldn't. He should make him play the uh, game in Belgium, right, where he has to dribble between the two lampposts with the tennis ball. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> See, nothing teaches you like the streets, man. Like no matter what these dorks say, you know, like uh, he... less less controlled vibe aside, using miniature goals. More rolling out a ball and having you go one versus twenty, trying to score a goal by yourself. Okay. Do you, do you remember <laughs> that? Uh, what was that podcast? I think it's it's the podcast that uh, is hosted by uh, Andrea Pilar. She I think she she does like social for 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 Gotham FC, but like she had that episode with Alex Muilon. I think I don't know how the conversation ended up going, but he talked a lot about how like Kaku and Verone had like weird he says they had weird touches and what he meant by that is like uh that you could like oh you could tell that those guys learned how to play on the street because they just like it's the innate ability to just like read the bounce on the ball in a in a very specific way yeah exactly right and it's also knowing like how to weaponize your skills right because it's not just you know it's not just shit that you i'm gonna sound like a fucking crank here because it's not just shit you learn from youtube and like try to replicate like move by move it's actually knowing how to use it to shield the ball and move past your opponent to beat him right <laughs> you know <laughs> like um that's the deal right i think uh yeah yeah so that being said you know um uh i'm i'm keen on a i'm keen Basically, I'm keen on seeing, hopefully, I, I'm keen on seeing how he does in a deeper midfield position, basically. I think that's a you're, very roundabout You're keen, keen like Robbie. I'm keen on Roy, actually. Keen like Roy. That's keen like, like Roy, that's like, yeah. that's like if you're a dad from Manchester trying to do, um, to, trying to do a grime track. Keen like Roy is just like a two dads from Manchester podcast just talking about the uh, Sir Alex Ferguson days. Right. Oh, hey, basically, it's me, right? Uh, this is, this that's is why that's my... you and the Cork podcast. Yeah. 
my wife hasn't spoken to me in three years because every time I do, I talk to her about uh, how Manchester United won the 1999 Champions League with a Yapstam and Ronnie Johnson. Of Yapstam <laughs> and a rotating cast at center back next to him. <laughs> anyway, um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll make a quick uh, move over into the Philadelphia game real quick because I think there has been, um, whatchamacallit, there has been, it's another game that kind of shows that there is some progress being made, particularly, I think, on the game plan for the ball movement, right? We've made some, we've tweaked some stuff. And I think uh, the Philadelphia game particularly is the first such game in a while where I've actually seen intent in the way we're trying to move the ball, which is um, encouraging, right? I think uh, um, still not really trans. translating into a flurry of chances, but at least there was, um, you know, there was more of a semblance of a fight, I think, against a Philadelphia team that is a lot more established than us, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, have a more, um, more defined style of play, right? I think particularly... And also the fact that like uh, we conceded early in the game, but we still came back enough to get something out of it. You know, it was nice on the mental front to see that you know we weren't going to loot, we weren't just going to keel over, we weren't like right. a deflated after conceding. There's a pretty silly goal early on in the game. We came back in the, in the equalized and could have even won the game from that point on. I mean, like right. pretty easily. So yeah, if you told me that like we were going to go into a three game period over the course of what eleven days, not even, but like we would play and we would play City twice and Philly once, and that we wouldn't lose any of them, like I would have taken that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, standouts from this game. I mean, I think particularly if uh, the the City game was a banner game for the defense. I mean, I thought the Philly game was a banner game for Drew Yearwood as well, who I thought has been one of the quiet contributors in the last two games right we talk about the need for like a water carrier in the field mm-hmm. i think drew's kind of shown that ability right with his technique his ability to turn in tight spaces and uh bring the ball up forward you know i think uh last two games he's really come through in his own way right ability to retain possession and drive the ball and now that he's uh seems to have won back to trust a gerhard shooter i think like you know he's good for to start now, as opposed to just coming off the bench to be a spark plug, which is a good sign. Uh, I think uh, he's he's added something that we've been lacking in that midfield, right? Exactly that, right? Ability for somebody to drive forward in space and bring others into play by, like, uh, you know, keeping the ball, turning in tight spaces, distributing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's uh, another guy that's kind of stood out to me the last couple games uh i think by the by the nature of the way he plays like he like he's like running 100 miles an hour all the time yeah with or without the ball but like i was always i like i joked that like would he be like is he gonna be the kind of guy that we have to worry about being suspended for yellow card accumulation and two games in a row not a single card I have to say that he does remind me of Paul Scholes and the, his ability to not tackle more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 the way he can strike the ball first time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, he Because he, he otherwise doesn't really play like Paul Scholes at all. But, you know, I mean, like, uh, he's another... He, it's funny that we are ending the season more concerned about Drew Yearwood's discipline than we are Andres Reyes. But that's... Or even that's a Kyle sign. Duncan. And he, yeah, it's a sign of the times, isn't it? Isn't it, guys? What a what a strange long trip it's been to get us to this point. But yeah, I mean, uh, that being said, has been a really good banner for his ability. He's in midfield, I think, the last two games. So uh, yeah, uh, definitely hope he keeps it up because he looked like starting uh, to look like the spark plug that we needed, right? In that engine room. Uh, uh, no, other things that really stood out to me, I mean, uh, that was that fucking fantastic save uh, from Cornell, I think. Oh, yeah. That has been shared. I mean, I know he was eventually flagged offside, but I just want to point out how crazy it is that he basically rounded him and he still made the save anyway. 
Yeah. Like, that's crazy. That's nuts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> great Salt save. Man. Please, you do not need a goalkeeper. Yeah, seriously, you know, like, I will become, like, fucking Red Bull out if we do not bring back Carlos Coronel next year. I'm sorry. This, this is the hill that I'm dying on. Like, <laughs> if Salzburg take him back, you know, I am, like, I am I'm going full Caesar Sayak. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can drive around in your van covering yeah. Red Bull stickers. Uh, it's not even just Red Bull stickers, actually. It's just, like, Brazil Brazilian goalkeeper stickers. Like, I have one in oh, Nelson yeah. Dida and, like, uh, the... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Claudio uh, Taparel. Yeah, an AC Milan sticker with the uh, 2004, the 2004 AC Milan team. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my 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 other ride is Andrei Shevchenko bumper oh sticker. God. You know, okay, I'll shut up you, now. You have you have the Opel logo just because I was on the kits. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I, I have Kaka's uh, my <laughs> my I life belong belongs to, to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you have Dida, so it would sound like Jesus in the Brazilian accent. I belong to Jida. Jida. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, like, uh, uh, other thing was his, like, you know, I think, like, the, the, they have to point out that the Omir Fernandez chance came off of a direct ball played out the back by Carlos Coronel. Yeah. So it's not just the fucking shot stopping, right? It's the distribution as well. And, you know, that's why I was kind of convinced that the beginning of the season that he's a higher caliber goalkeeper than anything we've seen i think uh slotting in between uh, the posts in previous years just because of his ability to do what he can with his feet right? i think we were talking about it at extensive lengths i think earlier on in the season but now it's coming through but but it's definitely came through a lot i think uh, in this last game especially right because some of those pings from the back you know it's really good knowing I think it, as a defender as well, it must be really comforting knowing that if you're ever under any duress, right, you can just send it back to the goalkeeper and you can immediately look to start a transition moment. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you could... he's, is, is the read that he's like a modern goalkeeper or is that too, is that too wank of a description? No, I mean, I think it's true. I mean, like, uh, in terms of uh, what he can do with the ball at his feet, I mean, like, it's certainly a lot higher than anything we've seen from any of our other goalkeepers. Israel. I mean, I don't think Ryan Mira can really do this kind of uh, can really do this. Luis Robles definitely can do this. Um, mm-hmm. pro- and I think uh, as a result of that, he's become, I think, one of the more underrated parts of uh, the defensive uh, success that we've uh, seen this season, right? It's not just a guy like ha- hurriedly clearing the ball into the sidelines when the ball goes back to him. No, it's measured. Mm-hmm. It's control, and he finds his guy more often than not, right? So if, again, you know, I think once we find some some weapons that can take advantage of that, you know, I think uh, next year, assuming he stays, I think he does. I hope he does. Like, it's where you're starting to go. I think I'm, I'll say that next year is when you're starting to really see that become a lot more weaponized, right? When you when we get the transition down perfectly. Yeah. Um. I don't really think I have much else to add to Philadelphia. Do you have any observations, or should we just go straight and sucks? Um, the goal we conceded is again indicative of the problems we've been having. Like we're not just we're not like conceding world-beating goals. We're not conceding the goal of the week. We're just like it's like simple mistakes, like schoolboy shit. Like, yeah. Like I, I don't want to blame Gutman on this play, but it's like at a certain point, if he if you're just getting between the man and the goal, maybe that goal doesn't happen. You know, I forget who scored yeah. the goal, but no, it might have been Sergio Santos. But it's like Gutman was like a good maybe yard off Santos when he when he hits that ball, and I know it kind of bounced around a bit, but it's like, man, like that's that's an easily avoidable. Like we 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 don't concede more difficult goals than that in that like that forcing like Coronel to make great saves on goals that could easily happen. Whereas that like one, one, the ones that we do could be uh, prevented. Uh, let me see what other notes I have about Philly. I think like, again, encouraging that like we were down for what we were down for like 15 minutes and we come back into the game. Like Philly were only leading for 15 minutes of that game. Um, the game flow suggests if you just look at like the the quality of chances going into the second half, it was really it felt like the teams were kind of like neutralizing each other. And even when 
they were going back and forth. Like the chances were not like clear and cut. Uh, even with like Philly like scoring their offside goals, um, we don't have Duncan for the next game because he got suspended on yellow card accumulation. Uh, this is another game where we have the three man back line. Um, I hope uh, I hope Fabio gets better soon. I think we. As, in as much as we're, we're skeptical about whether he comes back next year, uh, we need him now because uh, we're bringing in Tom Barlow. Uh, not as I, I don't want to beat the dead horse, but it's like it's not not always the best option. Um, yeah. Even if yeah, even if uh, I think I think Klimala got he was called offside on like a, a really cool volley goal against at Yankee Stadium. And it's like, had we had we been up two nil, and he comes off, that would have been a different game. But, uh, you know, it's yeah. like we 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 need we need that second option because even if we don't have Fabio next year, it's like going out and getting a guy like him. And whether or not you think Fabio is good, but it's like the situation of of signing him permanently. How much is that going to cost? And like, who is there? Is there like a Hoxabanovich level striker? <laughs> that we bring in or like maybe like a Klimala type striker that like Celtic isn't using right now because they're getting bitten and they're actually if they don't need Hyogo Furuhashi next year <laughs> uh, but see the problem is that he's injured that's uh, a bummer yeah I, I was thinking Kyoko <laughs> as well because yeah. we we're just so fucking predictable but you know like <laughs> oh cool. what a surprise Juan and Lenz talk about a Japanese footballer they think is cool yeah Exactly. Do we bring in Do we bring in Daisen Maeda from from Yokohama? Uh, you know he, he he's available. He's very he's fast. Available. You know I, I've I've been convinced actually that he would be a really good fit for this system. <laughs> this is Japanese uh, Klimala. I think he's more than that, right? I mean, like he's so explosive, like in transition, right? Because of his pace. It's also like uh, you know how direct he is, right? You imagine like a sim being played in by like a midfielder that can actually play a through ball to him streaking in behind. Like that's the kind of shit that we've been missing, and that's actually sort of like the last thing that I'll touch on in this uh, livecast is that we really just don't seem to have a midfielder that has that in the arsenal, right? And I'm really starting to think that priority for the offseason should be someone who can play those through balls into someone streaking in behind, like I think I mentioned last week. Because, I don't know, I mean, like, it seems that, once again, we have too many linking midfielders, right? I mean, I think maybe Drew Yearwood has that in his arsenal, but he hasn't really been able to really show that off, I think. Right. So, yeah, uh, more midfielders, TLDR. Uh, yeah, anyway, I interrupted. Uh, do you have anything else to add? No, that's it. I think we can move on. Yeah, okay, so I think we'll go into stocks, I think, real quick. So uh, stock up, stock down for me over the last two games. I mean, big stock up once again, of course, for the man who's won his four points in the last two games, Javier Fernandez. Uh, big stock up to Carlos Coronel as well. And a stock up, I think, to... I'll give it to Reyes and Nilis, I think. I think they really deserve one um, as my final. Uh, stock down, I think... Uh, in a way, I think uh, Sean Davis needs kind of needs to be kind of needs to be a bit rested. Yes, like he's he's he looks gassed, dude. Like <laughs> it's a shame that Yuba Diara died a nine eleven again. So, and do you think do you think Struber has like? Just, but I do just, think he was on the bench. I want to say in he recent was, games, yeah. he just hasn't been. He, he, he just was hasn't on come the bench on for whatever reason. He was on the bench against City, um, and I was like, and when they were stop up, down. Like, oh, I mean, like, for once, you know, I'm like you said, I'm a lot happier with where the team is now. Well, I wouldn't say a lot happier, but I am feeling better, right, about where the team is. So, you know, it's not all doom and gloom anymore. Uh, I don't think anyone's – maybe Andrew Gutman for that silly schoolboy error, I think, like you mentioned, I think, against Philadelphia. But despite that, he had a really good game against City, so even that doesn't really feel fair. Um, I think, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to stop my stocks there. I think, uh, I think I'm okay. All right. Um, 
You gave a stock. Wait, did you give a stock down to to, to Gutman? Uh, yeah, I actually did. I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of like what what our issues are on the left hand side because I know we bring in Kyle Duncan, and we know that Kyle Duncan is like the only full wide player that we have that can like dribble at guys. And it's like I'm curious as to how we get John Tolkien to develop his game if he's going to keep playing on the left-hand side because we know he can deliver the ball but it's like sometimes when he's on the ball he kind of dawdles a bit and it's like there's no one there to overlap with him because he's supposed to be that guy and then Gutman, for his strength isn't also not also that kind of player either um and also yeah. uh Tolkien also hit me with the ball uh during the game he took a real rip again when we were playing against Philly he shot the ball and he hit me in the arm <laughs> I think I saw that on TV. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I actually didn't know what happened. I was on the perch, so like I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember exactly what happened. Like he hits the ball, it goes over the bar, and then it hits like the front bar of the perch and ricochets and hits my arm. Like that's the only way it could have hit my left arm, unless I was like standing with my arms open. <laughs> uh, there was once I was up on the perch doing some goofball shit while they were taking pregame shots, and I think I must have distracted someone in the stands because the next thing you know. Uh, Derek Etienne rips one and nails her right in the face. It was yes, brutal. I that. And you know, I think it might be that it's not the same person, but there's like a, a lady who sits, I think, in that same spot. It could be the same lady. I really hope it's not because that would be some really terrible luck. But earlier yeah. in this season, Carmona does that where he like he he's trying to bend it. He's trying to he tries to open his body and bend it to like the goalkeeper's right, and he misses and it curls nasty and it hits her right in the face. And uh, every single game during warm-ups, Carmona tries to absolutely rip it. He does not get it on target. He either smacks the bar or it goes right into the stand. To so the point where I tell people, hey, watch out. Carmona is going, to, is going to rip it up here. And he does every single time. Yeah, you know, and like for some... Yeah, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I, st I stand up right in the middle of, of, of the supporter section and it's like you it's so scary because that ball moves so fast and he hits it enough where he, like it kind of it kind of like uh it knuckles in the air yeah i was gonna say for someone who really likes shooting like from distance a lot like <laughs> you kind of have no idea where it's going more often than not eh? <laughs> like like see even some other guys who are more controlled at least put one top corner like before consistency especially with like no pressure on him you know so come on yeah even even John Tolkien, like I think John Tolkien is is a, is all is like at least once a game he's trying to attempt the the Giovan Bronkhorst goal against Uruguay. He almost did it against Sean Johnson though. That was cool. He did, but he that was cool. Yeah, I think he's trying to do it because against Sean Johnson he was hitting it towards the near post, and like against Philly it was more towards the center. So I'm like he just needs to recalculate his 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 targeting just so it it ends up uh, right in that top uh, right hand corner. Rocketing off the far post, right? Yeah. Getting rid you of know, I'm going to give Carmona a stock down just for that. I mean, that's shameful. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess that wraps up our discussion, these last two games. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I think now we'll look ahead. But first, is, but first some team news, of course. Uh, we finally announced some outstanding signings. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It took us a while. But SCR Germain, first of all, signed for the rest of the year with a team option. I presume that this is the uh, depth center back for... This is going to be the guy who takes over Amro's role, I think, as a center back off the bench. Um, which means we go into next year, potentially, assuming we take up his option. With a rotation of Reyes, Nealis, Long, Monzon, and Germain. You know, I think uh, for if we're going to be switching between two or three center back configurations, like you definitely ha need to have five guys that you can call on. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it definitely looks to be like a move for next year. Uh, down at Red Bull 2, we finally got him, Steven Serwata. It's taken <laughs> us a whole calendar year to get him over from Kampala City Authority. But uh, he's here now. Yeah, on a Ripple 2 contract. So, finally, welcome, Steven. There's basically only like a month left in the season now. But better late than never, I guess? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, definitely really raw, but he is a really... He has a motor. He definitely is capable of covering a lot of ground. 
but he definitely needs to hit the weight room a little bit. Yeah, that's basically my take on him. Um, We've been talking about him for like six months, and <laughs> yeah, just, to, just uh, so I'm going to give the people the cliff notes at this point because I think you're tired of me talking. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like Tifo football would talk about this guy, uh, this midfielder Ibrahim Sangare, but like no one would sign him. But he just became like the long running joke about like who players should sign, and like he finally got signed to a big team. Uh, relatively, he got signed to PSV, and he actually scored in Europa League this week. So, so hopefully, <laughs> Steve Serwata uh, scores for us in like whatever the new fake competition they're gonna have us play in. I think we're Is staying. Your, uh, wait, less in like Red Bull Two or. I thought it yeah, was let, like, Red, let Red Bull two play in League's Cup. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I, I'd be, I mean that that's is what basically should happen. <laughs> just let literally just 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 combine League's Cup with the U.S. Open Cup at this point. No, 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 no. USOC <laughs> has to be its own thing. I mean, like I think it's cooler. It, it's cooler than the fucking League's Cup, but like a country oh, mile, dude. Yeah. Like it's not no, even fold them in. Just like let let all those clubs play in League's Cup. Who cares? The least cup is like if I took the Inter Toto Cup but made it a midseason tournament, which is stupid. We as need fun. to do Inter Toto Cup. Like the rules of Inter Toto Cup were so weird. Like the weird like lottery system of doing it. Like that's people talk about Concacaf, and that just needs. We, that's just what we need to do. Just bring like arcane, uh, uh, betting pool style <laughs> international competitions with pools and lotteries. It was really funny how uh, basically everybody in the Premier League passed on a playing it, so Newcastle would go every single year, right? Because I think they were the they were they were low enough in the table, but high enough that they were willing to take it, and it made oh, all right. your fans like think that there is still some big time outfit because they're playing continental competition. It's like who the fuck cares about the Intertoto Cup? You know, I mean, like I cannot understate enough how delusional Newcastle fans were in the early two thousands. It made your relegation in 2009 and all that funnier. But anyway, that's enough of that. Um, quick take from team news, because now we look ahead to the away game at Cincinnati, right? Uh, and this is very much a beatable team, uh, <laughs> especially considering that they have just fired their manager. Uh, and, you know, you know, I mean, like, if we really say that this season has started to coalesce a little bit again. Then these are this is a team that we should be beating on the road, if you ask me. Like we, we kind of know what Cincinnati's all about, right? Not a lot of quality in the attacking third. Even their defensive stalwarts aren't really very good at. Uh, even their defensive stalwarts aren't very good at keeping the ball out of their own net. You know, I mean, like this is a team that very much is devoid of quality. And if we are seriously considering about thinking of turning the season around, these are three points on the road that you have to pick up. Yeah. I think that's simple as really. Uh yeah, I don't know what I don't know what Cincinnati's deal is. You know, you you wanna know who's like what what was it? It was during the Philly game, they were showing like those random like you know how like on the scoreboard they'll show like random stats? And apparently Yu Yakubo is like second in the table for the for the for the whole league of leading in tackles, I'm like, what? Um, that that does not <laughs> that, sound right to that me. Does not sound right. Uh, I'm I'm very confused by that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, Kubo's not even that good. To be completely like, honest with you, like, <laughs> like this is a, like he. I don't. I don't. I can't even picture him wearing a national team jersey, which doesn't mean anything. But still, it's like, man, uh, I, I'm confused by that. <laughs> That's enough for I'm me. Like, this, I mean, this cannot be right. Yeah. I mean, like, like this is like they're just so devoid of anything. Uh, like, you know. No, he's at. No, that's true. That's so weird. He has 49 tackles this season. He's second in the league. <laughs> What is this? Oh, Sean Davis is fifth in the table, but that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, because he's a midfielder. Like, why is it they have a striker running? Yeah, I guess it's this emblematic of it, right? Yeah, strikers just fucking, fucking running around, getting stuck right. in 
as opposed to like uh, as yeah, opposed the league, to the league leader is Claudio Bravo, who's a left back at uh, at uh, Portland. But then it's him, Yugi Kubo, then Judson, and then some is this some like defender at LA Galaxy. Yeah, it's a defense. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's indicative of a complete lack of a philosophy in the attacking third. To be honest with you, it's got to be. Yeah, like your 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 strikers just fucking running around. It sounds like to me, trying to win the ball back, but then nobody's coming up in like support of him. Kind of just what yeah. that sounds like to me. So I mean, like again, if that's the case, you know, team we must beat. Team we must beat. The ante is up. You know, I mean, like. Like I will, I, I refuse to be embarrassed for a third game against FC Cincinnati. I'm not getting right. the job done against them. Like that would be shocking, you know. Like I've had enough of that. Please beat this fucking shithole team into the ground. Like <laughs> if not for if not for us, do it. Just show the team a picture of Skyline Chile and just get them mad. Yeah, you know, I want to see if I have to do the team talk, right? Struber using the uh, fans celebrating. Uh, in uh, the South Ward, like for the last minute penalty from Klimala, right? To show them, it's like, this is you, you must win the game for them. I want them to, I'll send them a picture of a Chris Cruz dying in the bathroom of a bar in Cincinnati. You know, the local specialty here has killed too many of our fans. Our loyal fans have been traumatized, they have been hurt, they have been decimated. By the local cuisine, they call Skyline Chili. <laughs> <laughs> this is offensive to my sensibilities, and I am from Austria. Yeah, so you know what we eat in Austria? Nobody does, and I can <laughs> tell you, even currywurst doesn't look like this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you must defeat them. And make them diarrhea in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right. Uh, yeah. So that's the team talk. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe they should up the ante and be like, if we don't win, all of you have to eat a bowl. And then, like, they go out and, like, thrash them, like, 10 mil. Just because, like, <laughs> they're disgusted. And the post-match is like, uh, you hear from Klimala, is like, you know, as soon as he showed me picture of uh, what they eat here, it's like, you know, like, I, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. <laughs> not even worst enemy. <laughs> so what, what, is, what is wrong with you? You do not eat kielbasa? What, the, what is this? <laughs> it's like, I realize they say that this is a meat sauce, but they say, but they, they don't put anything, any meat in it. It looked like uh, defecation. <laughs> <laughs> Fabio's like, in Brazil, we eat pizza, but we put we don't use tomato sauce. We use a we use a regular white cheese on the pizzas, and even then, what is the skyline chili? Yeah, yo, what the fuck? It's like not just the fact that it's like fucking diarrhea, right? Is that they put a mountain of cheese on top of that shit? Like, what the fuck? And it doesn't even taste nice. I don't yeah, get I it. Someone, don't, someone explain. I don't know. Yeah, it, there's, there's, there's got to be a way of eating it where it's like that you just accept that you're not going to get every component in one bite. You're just like snacking on a big hunk of cheese at one point and then just eating ground beef at another. Yeah, I mean, like, there. look, I mean, like, there's a dish for that, right? That, that already does it a lot better. It's called fucking spaghetti bolognese. Right. And you fucked that up. Jesus, man. Like, Ohio is a decrepit terrible place so, the true heart of darkness of this country it is you know people want to dunk on the south no man fuck that shit like like, like shit on ohio like yeah when the regime takes over i don't think we should be accepting toronto Sorry, <laughs> no not toronto ohio oh, <laughs> we, we can't accept toronto toronto's cool but <laughs> ohio no no and, and whoever's still listening at this point, let this uh, be indicative of how anonymous the team Cincinnati is that we've spent the past five minutes talking about Skyline Chili and not about the actual team that we're going to play from there. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, we know what they're all about. Lads in Cincinnati, just do them. Like, it's, it's all I ask. Like, yeah, I'm just like, let, let's, look, let's look at the table of what they're like. It's just like... Uh, 
Yeah, and you know what? I think Cork had pointed this out, but the weird thing about... Oh, yeah, they're last place, obviously. But, like, you know what's weird about the table of what's indicative about where we're at? If you look at the bottom five teams... Uh, it's in negative goal difference. Yeah. Right, everyone has negative goal difference except for except us. Except for us. And even yeah. then... And not only... So, our diff, our goal difference is two, but it's, like, it's, it's not only positive, it's the only one that's, like, not negative double digits. Everyone else has negative... Not just negative, but negative double digits. Yeah. Exactly. No, I mean, and, and I'm inclined to agree with that, right? I mean, like, okay, you know, I, I, it's emblematic of, I mean, it's a lot of bad breaks, but I think it's also like partially down to some, you know, I mean, I think the manager being kind of lost in the weeds for a little bit, but he seems to have got himself out of it, hopefully. So mm-hmm. I'm still not on board of everything he does, but at least I can say the defensive structure has a, there's a, has improved this season, right? And again, you know, kind of flogging a dead horse when I say this, but now we have to move on to like uh, the connecting between the defense and offense. It is kind of disappointing to me that the only team we've outright done, right, is Miami on the road. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like they're kind of handicapped by the fact that they're managed by Phil Neville, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So um, basically, I, I'm I think... looking. I'm looking at this table again, and there's always a. So you know, you don't know how many goals Cincinnati have scored this season. How many? They've scored 28 goals in this season, and you know what's the craziest part? Boy, that's still more goals than Miami have scored this season. Damn, on a team of Higuain, <laughs> who I was uh, told was gonna like wax everyone, playing like he was at uh, Pure 40. Right. I mean, he's got the Pure 40 part down. Of just like smoking before the game, smoking before the game, fucking walking around, refusing to pass to anybody, right? Refusing to put in like a decent shift. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's cool. Uh, I've always wanted to know how pickup players uh, will look like when they're near an MLS. So, <laughs> you know, Higuain, thanks for approving my thesis. Real one. Yeah, and I mean, here we are, right? And we're supposed to be previewing Cincinnati, and we're talking about Miami players because there's literally no one of note in Cincinnati who I think is worth pointing out. They have a Japanese player, and I don't give a shit about him. Right. What What an indictment of this yeah, team. Yeah, tr- truly. <laughs> How much has flown under the radar that Kubo is, like, I think one of the first, like, I think only the second uh, DP from an AFC nation, right, in this league's history. And it's like no one cares about him because, no like, he hasn't done anything. It's true. Right. <laughs> no one should care about him. He's not very good. There's a reason why he's not in the Japan. There's a reason why he's not in the national team setup. You know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I really don't really have anything else to say about the Cincinnati game other than I hope we do them. I would like us to do them. Uh, I think we're. I think if they were at the pick out a game where we just outright murder a team on the road again right it would probably be this one this one's very much right for the taking and i hope they do it yeah we'll see uh <laughs> no duncan but hopefully we'll have guys who could yeah i mean i guess it means tom edward slots in a right back huh which isn't the worst that oh yeah well, i mean yeah. like it, then, yeah, I mean, then do not, we play a four i mean i, I do like tom edwards right back so you yeah. know maybe we don't play three center backs i don't know Maybe we play two center backs, but then we have two strikers. Sorry, what? What? Maybe we'll have two center backs, but then we'll have two strikers. Hello? Oh, am I breaking up? Hold on. Oh, yeah, you broke up momentarily. Oh, hold on. Okay, so I'll start in a second. So at, where's this break? One, oh, nine, 25. Okay, so I'm going to say it right now. Three, two, one. What if we have two center backs this time, but then we get the benefit of having two strikers? Well, <laughs> are you suggesting we play in a diamond formation? Ooh. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind heard, of. I'm, I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm kind of black pilled on a <laughs> two striker formations at this point in time. Uh, until further notice, basically, for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah. 
Um, that game kicks off at 7.30 p.m., right? I think Eastern time. Tomorrow slash today, depending on when you're listening to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess... Um, I, I, I guess I got nothing else to add. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any parting shots you want to give out for this episode? Uh, pick a number between, I guess, 1 and 300. Uh, 69. That's okay. All right. 69 is a number of games started by Giovanni Savarese. Well... <laughs> That's dank. Oh, wow. You know, that's also the number of games played by Kyle Duncan. This guy, you know what I mean? Like, first this guy, like, uh, posted about anime, and now he makes 69 appearances. I mean, I guess that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm down and I that. think technically that's also the amount of uh, league appearances for Alex Muil. Ah. Uh, of course. He'd never let us down. He'd never let us down. He'd never let us down. <laughs> Even when he's far away, he's still memeing. <laughs> Funnily enough, like I think he's been a pretty key reason why Nashville find themselves as high up the table as they do. Just to check in on our our, our former meme king, like Nashville oh, yeah. have like more draws than wins, but like have lost so little by just being a really intense, compact defensive unit that they are like what second or third in the East right. off of that. I mean, it's credit to him. The old, the old Gary Smith special, just a masterclass. Masterclass and sh- masterclass and shithousing, and right. like playing good defense, basically. Yeah, so well done. You know, if it's not the Rebs that win the cup this year, I mean, I hope it's Nashville, just so that Alex Mule can be happy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, ooh. Yeah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> I don't not know. I think that probably wraps up the uh, episode this week. Um, Juan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, yeah, we'll see you, Nick. We'll see you tomorrow for the game. Uh, free Alex Muil, free, 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 free Omir Fernandez, uh, <laughs> free. Um, who else should we free? Uh, free, free Fabio Gomez Neto, uh, free Yuba Diora, because I got depression. Peace. <laughs> Free Paul, Paul Estine. All right, all right.